Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about my journey through cinema. As always, I'm here with my favorite co-host, Eric, the Anna Karina to my Jean-Luc Godard. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing well. I just look forward to these uh, intros that I have no idea what any of them are, although I've heard of Jean-Luc Godard before. He's the space station, right? (laughs) God. (laughs) All right. Well done. Well done. You know exactly how to get me angry about two things at once. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? I have to say, it's such an honor to be your favorite co-host on a two-host podcast. Yeah. You know, you've had that spot. So so. many non-existent people. (laughs) You're also my least favorite co-host. So don't take it uh, yeah, that's, too well. I'm actually more proud of that one. <laughs> All right. Anyway, my name is Patrick and you can follow along with my movie watching. I'm on Letterboxd under Long Monkey. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some movies we watched. Um, I watched a whole bunch, so maybe I should uh, knock off some quickly. Uh, because I know you probably didn't watch as many as I did. This that's week. how you knock them off generally pretty quickly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get right into it. You know Jean-Luc Godard died recently, right? He uh I don't know how old he was. We were still making movies up till he died. And um so I uh commemorated his death by watching one of his movies. <laughs> I watched Vivra la Vivra sa vie. Um a life lived is a translated title, starring Anna Karina, his ex-wife. Uh yeah. I don't know. Was she his ex-wife at the time or were they married when they made it? They were married or I don't know if they were married when they made it or they got married soon after, but they were not divorced at the time. Mm. Anyway, uh, it, you know, Godard's a very interesting director that I once heard a quote by, I forget who. Um, so the quote goes something like this. Eisenstein invented cinema. Orson Welles perfected it and Jean-Luc Godard broke it all apart again. I always like that quote because when you watch one of his movies, he is not doing anything normal that you would expect in the editing and the performances and the, and just the way he places and moves the camera, even like the weird conventions of, of uh, movie making that are just normal. Like people talk and words come out of their mouth. Like there are scenes where that doesn't happen. It just, it's subtitled for some reason, you know, <laughs> it's just like, he's all over the place doing interesting things, but it works in like a weird collage sort of way to get the mood across that he's trying to get. And this one, Vivre Savi is a very good example of that it's 12 shorts about uh, one woman and her daily life uh, and the ups and downs of what she's going through. And it's moves fast enough to maybe even keep you in- interested in it. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I don't know. You said subtitles, so I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> well, yeah, it is subtitled. It, it is in French, so it's subtitled throughout. But yeah, sorry. That's uh, That was a good one. I don't think the four years of French I had in high school 20 years ago would help me. <laughs> um, I also watched another French movie, a new one this time, Petite Maman. Which, um, Little Mama? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's uh, by Celine Siama, who did the Portrait of a Lady on Fire fairly recently, which got a lot of good press, and I really liked. This one is like a very small, sweet little movie about a young girl who uh, meets the another young girl in the woods, and they have a nice little friendship together, and 
yeah, I won't spoil what it's really about, but it was a very sweet little solid movie. But it got me thinking about like this movie is like very slight. Like it has some interesting ideas and some real emotions, but it's like 70 minutes long and it's like there's no conflict. And, you know, it's just interesting to see a movie that doesn't really do like the big movie stuff that you expect to see a movie do. And it's just like, you know, a nice little 70 minutes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Another one that you probably wouldn't watch. This one, I don't, I don't think you'd like that one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that cool that I said just a minute ago, that was a courtesy cool. None of that's. I appreciate it. That's why you're my favorite co-host. <laughs> um, all right. So I did three shorts in a row. Internships by um, a director called Russell Upson Katz and Juan HQ. But it stars Rachel Sennett, who's kind of having a moment now. She's like this indie actress that's in a lot of things. She was in Shiva Baby. She's in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And they made a whole bunch of shorts. Um, she made a whole bunch of shorts. And they're all on YouTube. And they're all pretty funny uh, and entertaining. They're only like three minutes long. So if you want to see more Rachel Sennett, go check out some shorts. Internships was the one that's you know pretty good. Uh, and then this is something that you may be interested in, actually. Doris Wishman Doris Wishman directs a music video that's what it's called Um, Doris Wishman is like this underground uh, director from 60s, 70s 80s, 90s, she's made a whole bunch of movies and they're all like these very cheap, low budget uh, sexy exploitation movies and she's like, you know, at the time that this was made, she was like in her 70s and she was directing a music video for some band who was a fan of fan of hers. And you just it's kind of like a behind the scenes of her directing them. And she's very goofy and sweet. And uh, her movies are very schlocky. And this is just a good portrait of her behind the scenes. She made a movie called Deadly Weapons. Well, that sounds like something I would put on my radar. Yeah, it stars Chesty Morgan, a woman who famously had... Uh, gigantic breasts and she uses I mean, them as as a weapon in, as a secret agent in this movie <laughs> would you say she's yeah. chested and dangerous oh okay good one good one yeah no that's a that's a fun goofy movie i recommend it um and then here's something you definitely would be interested in memorial day 2000 it's another short and this is a found footage movie, legit found footage. It's not even a movie. The story goes that's that someone found this VHS tape at a garage sale and it kind of got circulated as this legendary lost, you know, found footage thing. And it's just 20 minutes of a Memorial Day party right on Lake Michigan with a bunch of drunk and crazy, like 20 year old campers, uh, hundreds of them all camping outside Lake Michigan and, uh, you know, starting giant dangerous bonfires and mud wrestling and pissing on each other and like all what? this crazy, like, I was drunk, with you until that last you know, part. partiers, <laughs> drunk partiers do whatever they do, whatever you guys do in Michigan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't gotten into the pee culture here yet. I haven't really found a way to break <laughs> into that, but 
Everything else <laughs> right. sounds like things, you know, it's an exclusive club. <laughs> but it's interesting because these, these people are our age, you know, this is 2000. And I remember what I was doing in, in Memorial Day 2000. I was, you know, 19 and I was not doing things like this. I was, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons or something dumb. You're probably <laughs> waiting for me to come home from college, crying into your pillow. So you yes. could watch me do those things. <laughs> right. I'm like, I have a cool friend. He he does these things. He's actually tasted alcohol before. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did I? <laughs> anyway, so this is a, you know, it's a fun little found footage thing, but I think it's gotten built up very much uh, in the zeitgeist, like in the descriptions that I've been reading of it. And it didn't really live up to those descriptions, but it is like crazy just to see a bunch of teenagers being dumb. Kind of like kids, but it sounds less bad. Yeah. Or the kids sound less awful. I've always wanted to see kids, but have not yet. I'm a fan of the director. Yeah, I saw it uh, actually in the year 2000 um, at, at, at college. And it was, it was really hard to watch. Hmm. Really hard to watch. Larry Clark. Larry Clark is a very interesting director. He was a photographer and he kind of took pictures of this real life stuff like that. You know, his photo books mm-hmm. are very interesting, kind of getting a view of like the, the stuff you don't normally see that people actually do. Yeah. I um, don't think at the time any of the kids in kids were actors. Of course, that was, I believe, where Rosario Dawson, I think that was the first thing she was ever in the story. Yeah. But I remember is that like, either he or someone just kind of found her sitting on her stoop in Brooklyn or wherever she was living at the time. It could have been, you know, upper Manhattan or something like that, but Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of like a true uh, street discovery of like, Hey, here's this woman. Now she's in star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And now she's in, uh, uh, made it all the way to clerks three. Good for her. Yeah, all the way. Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> Hometown girl done good. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I talked a lot. Uh, there are more movies. I'll, I'll get into them soon. But how about you? Did you see anything? I saw something. I saw two things. One that I cannot remember if I loved or hated, and I cannot remember what it was. And I'm really mad at myself for not being able to talk about whatever this thing might have been. But I did see one thing that I remembered. Um, I saw the 2022 film by, I'm assuming you pronounce it, Ty West X. Oh, okay, cool. I really, really loved. A24 is probably my favorite studio, even though I think my hit rate on actually liking their movies is like 50%. I just love the way... Yeah, I just love the way all of their movies are made. They're all like very well made, even if I don't particularly necessarily always care for the mm-hmm. the end product. Um, I like mm-hmm. watching the movies. And this yeah. one, I actually enjoyed the story as well. It's kind of a Boogie Nights meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre situation. I love have it. Seen this yeah, movie? A great description. I have, yeah. Yeah, so it's this group of uh, younger or I guess younger slash middle aged people going to make an adult film um, on a remote Texas farm. And there's just two old people living on this farm and they don't know that they're filming an adult film. And it kind of devolves into, uh, you know, 
the bodies start falling. Yes. So, yeah, they do. Um, well shot. I really well liked, shot. Uh, really, and yeah. there was no bloodshed for the first hour of the movie. It's just a really slow, kind of eerie, eerie movie in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then it just like there's the first murder, and then it just kind of spins out of control from there in the best of ways. Yes, I loved it, and I really wanted to see it because I really want to see Pearl, which I haven't gotten to go to yet, but the trailer oh, okay. looks great and that's the prequel yes that's a good segue into next movie i watched which guess what it is is it pearl (laughs) it is pearl yep uh so i won't spoil anything but i will say it's done in a completely different style as you can tell from the trailer it's done in like this uh old school hollywood technicolor musical sort of way even though it's not really a musical um and it's just about you know the character's backstory uh, filmed completely differently, but on the same set. And it's less a horror movie, more a like drama thriller, drama thriller. Um, but it definitely has like really horrific moments in it. But what most impressed me was Mia Goth. Her acting in this is like intense, really good. I, I always liked her. She always picks interesting movies. In X, I had no idea, you know, that she that she was going to be in that movie more than once. <laughs> and, and uh, in Pearl, it's just great to see her do, do this character like uh, all the way. Yeah. It's really, really good. I like, I like Pearl better than X to be honest. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it looks yeah. great. I was shocked when I went to IMDb and I saw that Mia Goth plays both the young character and the old character in the movie. Yes. So if you do go and watch this movie, just like look at that old woman and think about the wonderful job their makeup department did. I, Mm -hmm. on the DVD that I took out of the library, there's um, a time-lapse of the makeup process that I haven't gotten around to watching yet, but I'm really looking forward to checking it out. Oh, cool. Just because I can't imagine how they did that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was also had no clue until afterwards. I looked it up. I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> yeah, it's a good. I'm I'm also super excited that they actually filmed this movie in secret at the same time they were filming X. And oh. like, what studio? Yeah, they, this was like they filmed them back to back. And what studio would do that for like two oddball movies? You know without yeah. knowing if the first one was going to be a hit. It's not like X is a guaranteed hit, you know, a horror movie on a porn set. It's like, you know, it's, it's not a crowd pleaser, but they still filmed the sequel at the same time, gave them the money to do it. And I think that worked out really well because the stories are like one completely connected, which is nice. Yeah. I will say stick around for after the credits when you do watch Pearl. Oh, so uh all right i got two more one of which i know you've seen uh in honor of the new james cameron movie coming out soon i watched true lies oh (laughs) did you think i watched avatar (laughs) i will be watching it but not not yet yeah i watched true lies gotta you know tick those boxes get my james cameron uh uh, get psyched up for his style and true lies is definitely a good example of his style. 
is just a consummate director of big budget action. I've never seen anybody do it better than him. Uh, just the commitment to the practical effects and doing things in a, uh, just a real way, taking the time to do them instead of just, you know, um, we'll fix it in post. Yeah, exactly. Instead of just using CGI to fill in the blanks, he uses he there's CGI in True Lies. I had no idea. I had to look it up. Like there's actual CGI, but you can't tell because of how he films everything else with real jet planes and things like that. It's kind of like the Tom Cruise of directors <laughs> where Tom Cruise spends <laughs> the time making, you know, one movie every couple of years or whatever nowadays, putting all of himself into that movie, committing to, you know, putting the spectacle on the screen. Uh, James Cameron does the same thing, you know, and it, we're all the better for it, I think. But True Lies does have some issues. It's very dated. The like, uh, How dare you? The, the, the politics are like kind of offensive. <laughs> the treatment of women, women is very offensive. Um, so you got to take that. Just remember that while watching it. There is some stuff that did not age well in True Lies. I don't remember most of it. Can I take a guess and guess that it was Tom Arnold's character saying a bunch of nonsense or uh, just the general no. movie? No, I mean, he might have had a line or two that was, you know, a little groaning groaners, but it was a general movie. It was a, the terrorist first off or just kind of like the thinnest um, Arab terrorist characters that you can think of, you know, oh, okay. just, yeah, yeah, like that. I understand that's a product of its time, but it's like, you know, you watch it now and you're like, Oh God. <laughs> and then, um, the, then the, uh, this, the treatment of Jamie Lee Curtis's character is by her husband is, is not great at all. <laughs> you know, when he's like, uh, pretend like when they capture her and pretend that they're, you know, they're going to send her on these missions to like seduce a guy and like all this stuff. It doesn't, read it's still fun to watch but it doesn't like feel great <laughs> you know what i mean man i thought all of that was hilarious which you know yeah. maybe i'm a terrible person <laughs> it is like funny some restraint when your wife is basically considering having an affair with you to like you know i don't know to not just murder everyone like he probably could have <laughs> being a cia operative he probably could have but it's also like the whole like uh yeah, I guess it's played for laughs, but I don't know. It just feels a little yeah, dated. Yeah, you're right. I mean... Yeah. I also... Also, there's a lot of, like, slapping of women in that movie, I didn't realize. And then a lot of, like, stupid woman slap. <laughs> like, that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. So that's not I great. I only remember the terrorist guy doing it, which is probably why it didn't register. Mm-hmm. And, um... But, having said that, action scene's incredible. Arnold doing his best work. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis is incredible in this movie. Like just her timing. That striptease scene. Mm-hmm. So funny when she misses the post on the bed. <laughs> yes. And she falls. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and then with the way she starts dancing, she starts doing like some dumb little <laughs> dance. <laughs> She's supposed to be a stripper seducing this like French yeah. diplomat or something. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, the so opening just, scene, I remember the opening scene where he breaks into some like ski chateau in Switzerland yep. or something. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, as he's leaving, he's like, here's my invitation. And he just like <laughs> hits the button and blows everything up. And then he's exactly. skiing down mountains and fighting guys on skis and snowmobiles. It is everything an action movie can and should be. Exactly. Yep. And then filmed with, you know, just so well, like, you, you know, where everybody is in relation to everybody else and you can follow the action. It's just nice to see that. So I'll be watching more Cameron before the new one. But uh, all right, so I went from that to a incredible top tier action movie. Birdemic, shock and terror. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the Birdemic movie? I don't think so. No, I definitely haven't, but I'm pretty sure I listened to the podcast of how did this get made on it. Yeah, it's a terrible movie. It's one of those movies that's supposed to be so good, so bad it's good. And it's so bad that it's kind of fun to watch, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put it in the same category as The Room or Troll 2 or, or uh, one of those. Love on a Leash. It is ostensibly a romantic uh, comedy kind of about two people that get together and then birds start attacking everybody. And it's got these horrible CGI birds that fly around that have no relation to what's happening on the screen. People are swinging at them with pipes and things and it just looks horrible it's directed horribly the sound is not even mixed properly so you hear the static and then the static cuts when the scene cuts so it's like very annoying to watch (laughs) awesome um yeah it's not a great movie uh but i was watching it because i'm doing i'm going as you know i told you this i'm going to see the fantastic fest film festival the at home version next weekend and they are playing the new one birdemic three so i thought i would catch up and watch oh well are you gonna have to watch the second one then i was going to but i'm like not like super excited to watch number two and then watch number three (laughs) it's a lot of birdemic and if the second one's anything like the first i don't need to watch it i can you know picture it yeah the thing is like the second and third will probably even be more annoying because you know at that point that it's a shtick Yes. Like the first one was probably just someone who didn't know what they were doing uh-huh. and just wanted to make a movie. And then, you know, that that was the result of not having any, uh, you know, pre-existing skills and just like I can anyone can make a movie. The mighty Torgo. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then the second two are probably I'm assuming the same thing. And they're it's intentional now. And yeah, there's something like so disingenuous about that. I completely agree. That's one thing I'm not excited about watching because the second one is clearly made after the first one became a surprise hit. I don't know what it's like, but it's like capturing lightning in a bottle with these bad movies. You can't really do it when you're trying. So, yeah, it's like when you watch Tommy Wiseau do anything else past the room. It's like not the same. He's just a... Do you ever see The House That Dripped Blood on Alex, his horror film? No, he didn't direct it, but he acted in it. Someone else directed it kind of in the Tommy Wiseau style. And it's pretty bad. It's like supposed to be bad and it's just actually bad. (laughs) So it's guys, I hope it's not like that. I will report back if I do gird my loins and watch Birdemic two or three. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like with, if there's a, a flock of, birds attacking you should probably gird every point of yourself (laughs) yes (laughs) 
All right, so uh, that is the extent of what I have seen besides the movie we're supposed to be talking about this week. As you know, and the listeners should know, every episode we watch a movie together and then individually watch a movie inspired by that film. So, Eric, would you like to talk about what we were tasked with watching this week? I guess if I have to, uh, we watched a film that was really hard to find because we thought it was called Detox, but apparently everywhere, every streaming service calls it ICU, spelled the idiotic way, as in I-E-Y-E-C-U, directed by Jim Gillespie from the year 2002. I wrote 2022 in my notes, but that's because I'm an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 2002 <laughs> 2002 which is funny because um i'll get to my plot summary in a minute but just like a, a little brief story when the movie starts it opens with some kind of like manifesto and it is so much like an late 90s early 2000s style mm-hmm. but it sounds like saw and i was like oh my god is this like stallone's attempt to rip off saw no this came out two years <laughs> saw despite that weird creepy like computerized voiced manifesto over like 90s grungy glitchy uh just collage of crap i i when i was watching that i thought they were trying to rip off the intro to seven. Oh yeah very similar had, to that as well which had kind of same uh montage but without the voiceover <laughs> but the voiceover yes that was very saw yeah yeah, so ICU or detox, whatever you want to call it, is uh, about Jake Malloy, who's an FBI agent who has it all. A drinking problem, a fiancé who loves him so much he doesn't even care when he skips plans to drink with the boys, and a cop-murdering serial killer hell-bent on seeing his demise. Just about the only thing he doesn't have is coping skills, which would have been useful when the killer murdered his fiancé, sending Jake into an alcoholic tailspin. Enter Chris Christopherson and his detox clinic dedicated to treating suicidal law enforcement officers located in a missile silo in the middle of Wyoming. When a blizzard moves in, trapping the ensemble cast inside the silo with no hope of contacting the outside world, the bodies of characters we've only just met and really couldn't care less about start to pile up. Will Jake Malloy solve his first crime before it's his turn, or will he get put on ice? (laughs) Nice. So... Yeah, that's a very apt uh, summary of this film. Man, this film had a lot of problems from the get-go. It had so many problems. It was so bad. It sounds like, maybe my version doesn't sound cool, but a cop who like starts to go insane because he can't catch a killer before he kills his fiance, like, and then has to go to a detox and people start dying. You know, it sounds like it could be fun, and this was just sounds awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's a kind of a waste of a great cast and a great location. The location was really cool. And yeah, really cool. I think that, so some behind the scenes stuff, this was filmed like in the late 90s, supposed to be released, had a horrible test screening under the title of Detox, and then was, I guess, shelved for a while and then bought by another studio and finally dumped out under the title of ICU after they filmed a different ending and did a re-edit of everything. So this movie does feel like it has been manipulated poorly, like the editing and some character arcs that are like start and never stop and never end. Are there arcs? 
<laughs> well, I feel like that there's in the writing that they they there could have been things that panned out that didn't pan out. There's like weird edits that happen. For for one example, the uh, you get that cool character played by uh, Stephen Lang. The the he's like the creepy orderly at the clinic, and then mm-hmm. for some reason he like leaves with the snowmobile, and then that's it. He's out of the movie. He gets killed. Yeah, I was so confused by some things that happened, and that makes some of them make more sense. Like the, clearly, that char- his character could have impacted the story in some way. Like he was definitely a character like that could have. He was supposedly he was ex mental patient that was friends with the doctor that worked there, and then he just left, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just the only character I knew was the character who was the worst and all the other there's like how many inmates about six or eight mm-hmm. and one mm-hmm. of them's like a 90 year old man and he's like all i have is the job and it's like you're 90 man you're not a police <laughs> yeah. officer anymore like, get out he here. was he was a canadian mountie <laughs> yeah maybe you should just do it like <laughs> <laughs> yeah um the uh the oh my god why am i blanking on his name jason patrick robert patrick robert patrick i don't know why i always do that the robert patrick character is the only one i even remember at this point because he was such an asshole for no reason he was larger than life yeah he definitely was you know what you would not be in this program because you are a disruptive person in these group things like why is anyone letting you do any of this yeah he would not volunteer for that and I don't know how they'd force him to go. <laughs> um, yeah, and the what was I gonna say? It was just anytime anything interesting happened, it seemed like they sent everyone to their rooms. And the the kind of movie <laughs> that this is, where you're trying to figure out who the killer are, is, you need these people to be interacting with each other. You need mm-hmm. there to be like. A mystery and there was a mystery but no plausible attempt to solve it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we don't see anything interesting happen like there's a part where they all split up and you're like oh i'm gonna start seeing these people die mm-hmm. and then maybe one person dies but it's not even any of the people it's like chris christopherson who you're just like well i guess he's dead but i didn't see anything right he's right. just in the snow and then i see a figure behind him and then cut to something else mm-hmm and that's what a lot of this movie felt like to me. Yeah. Like any, feels, anytime something interesting was about to happen, they just cut away to something else. It feels like there could have been a grislier cut of this movie. I don't know if they filmed these scenes and they decided to try to give it like a PG 13 rating or something. Yeah. But I yeah. don't know. Uh, spoiler alert. The title wasn't the problem anyway. Oh. <laughs> when they changed the title from detox to ICU. I don't, I don't think that was the problem. No, no. I don't know if they're like, I think there's a better version of this movie that exists or that could have existed. And I think they just, uh, it, it was ruined. I don't know if it would have been any good to begin with. It had some good things going for it. Like the cast, some of the characters could have been fun. The location was really cool. This underground military base, the kind of abandoned base was really neat. Yeah, it's cool. And it's like, yeah rife ground for your favorite genre of people trapped in a place. Cause then yes. this, you know, blizzard rolls in, they're all trapped and like people start dying, but they're in a suicide 
you know, they're, they're there because they're basically killing themselves with alcohol. And, you know, Sylvester Stallone is a loose cannon at this point. He like shoots a gun into the air at a diner for, because Charles S. Dutton is like former partner or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Is like, well, maybe you should kill yourself in, in his tough love <laughs> moment, which totally backfires yeah. in his face. Here's a little So you gun. assume <laughs> guys have similar stories, but we don't really know. We know one guy tried to shoot himself in the face, but we don't know these people. So when they start dying, you're just like, oh, I guess, you know, random inmate number three is dead. Yeah, yeah. I agree. They set up, they didn't really set up any, all the characters at all. They had that first scene where in the institution where they're kind of doing like a therapy session with, with, which Chris Christopherson doesn't really do much in. He's just like, this is our first session. Robert Patrick, like absolutely tear this guy. Who's like showing remorse to pieces. Yep. Yep. And then that guy dies and you're like, okay, he committed suicide because of Robert Patrick. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let me, let me ask you this about the overarching villain. Do you remember what the villain's motivation was for being so intent on getting Sylvester Stallone? Dumbest thing of all time. Mm-hmm. He so the villain says that he he is really angry at Sylvester Stallone's character Jake Malloy for investigating him murdering hookers. That's it. And it's like, well, you're murdering hookers. What did you think would happen? And he didn't catch you, dude. Right. And it was, he said something in his manifesto at the beginning, like, I don't have much time left on this earth, so I'm just going to spend it being uh, mean to you, (laughs) destroying your life because you investigated me. Yes. And the key word is he investigated him. He clearly did not catch him and doesn't seem to have been particularly close. Yeah. And I thought that whole, mm Everything about it's weird and it's weird that he's killing the killer is killing street cops and Stallone's an FBI agent. And the the first scene of this movie is all of them hanging out at the bar. It's Stallone, the lone FBI agent with like 10 street, like regular police officers. And they're (laughs) giving him a hard time for not solving the serial killer who's murdering cops. And it's like. If he's getting back at Stallone, why is he murdering random police officers when he's an FBI agent? Oh, that's true. That's true. Wouldn't it be more How does he know? And make more sense if he was killing FBI agents? Because mm-hmm. they make it clear in that first scene, the one cop who is very short for this earth says, <laughs> you know, I bet you would have caught this guy if he was killing your boys, but he's just killing us regular cops or something along those lines. Yes, he does. Yeah. So it's just, it doesn't make any sense. You're right. That's a very good point. I didn't really think of it that way. Like what are the chances that Stallone would be the one investigating these cops also, you know, it could have been anybody really. Right. Yeah. And the, the murder method was hilariously dumb. He goes to the door and knocks on the door and then drills through the keyhole. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Directly into their eye. And it's like, what? That's not going to work. <laughs> Why not? Because <laughs> drills aren't guns. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's not going to kill somebody. You know, yeah. It's uh, it's flimsy. And they hinge the whole movie on it. 
which is unfortunate. Overall, my opinion is that it is a had some promise with the cast and the location and the concept. Stallone even doing more serious work than normal and looking like a normal person. Maybe one of the last movies, he looks like a normal human being. (laughs) And it just squandered all of that. I don't know if it happened in its original conception or if it had to do with the recut that they did. It feels more of the latter because of the way it was edited and the stuff that goes nowhere. It was just a big disappointment, honestly. Yeah, it was. And one thing I am also very confused about was Charles S. Dutton's plan because he was just going to go snow fishing. But like, how long was he going to just sit in Mont? Uh, sorry, Wyoming, mm-hmm. waiting for Stallone in this rehab? It's not going to be like a week. Right, right. Yeah, I don't Makes know. He even there. I assume he was just going to hang so out. There's so many things that don't make sense that maybe must have made sense at some point. Yes, yes. Huh. All right. Well, what did you give this movie out of five? I give it a two. I, I give it a one five. Okay. Because I even disagree about Stallone. I thought he was so one note the whole time. No, I, I agree with that. I just think he was trying to do something a little more uh, normal. Like do some real acting and there was sometimes it worked, but yeah, he was one note, but that's what I meant. It's kind of like he was trying to do something cool. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I just didn't really buy him as the grieving alcoholic when he just seemed like so bland. Yeah. Okay. Well, Sloan is anything except bland usually. (laughs) Yeah. So, what were you inspired to watch? So, I wasn't fulfilled in people being trapped in that place in Wyoming, even though it was a cool location. Mm -hmm. So, I decided to watch Escape Plan from 2013, (laughs) Ah, directed by Michael Hafstrom, which is another Stallone. This time, instead of Robert Patrick, he's teamed with the Terminator himself. So he took a step back from the T-1000 to the regular Terminator. I have seen this one. And this movie, you have? I saw it in a theater, yeah. Wow. This movie, I felt like it had no no business being as enjoyable as it was because it is not a well-made movie. It is not a well-written movie. Mm -hmm. But I just... I loved the chemistry between Stallone and Schwarzenegger. And it was just, it was fun to watch. Even if thinking about it for about half a second makes it not make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. But it's not pretending to be super serious. So it, yeah. Yeah. It's just is what it is. Turn your brain off, watch this dumb thing and just, just enjoy. Yeah. Escaping from prison is just a cool thing to watch. Like it's always interesting. The stories about that. <laughs> And uh, the concept of he has to escape from the prison. Didn't he build it or something? No, that's what I thought in the trailer as well. Um, Because I remembered the trailer for this movie and I just never got to see it. Uh, He plays this guy named Breslin. And his whole job is to just break out of jails. Mm -hmm. So he's been it, it starts with him in a maximum security jail. And he breaks out of it. And then they, they tell the warden like, Hey, this is what's going on. And even the audience, I don't think knows outside of, you know, knowing the trailer Mm -hmm. that that's his job. Um, 
So then he gets hired by the government to go into this top secret jail. The whole concept of which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) It's like the governments of the world are banding together to have this jail where they could just throw people and literally throw away the key. Uh Well, why? Yeah, I know. Like it's off grid. Nobody knows about it. Just kill him. Yeah, I know. Why does this jail exist? (laughs) Like, just don't explain. If you're writing a script, don't explain. Don't feel the need to explain things that don't need to be explained. Mm -hmm. And the existence of this like super crazy off the grid jail, when you explain it, you're just like, so they're pumping millions or billions of dollars into this thing when they could just like put a bullet in their head and throw them in the middle of the ocean and nobody else would know anyway. Yep. Uh, yeah, I but agree. Th- so that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Don't think about any of that stuff. Just watch the movie. Watch Stallone. Don't think about how Arnold Schwarzenegger's plan doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, I remember that being a little iffy. <laughs> There's like a Kaiser Soze moment at the end yeah. where, you know, I guess to go into the plot, Stallone agrees to this government thing to go to this like black ops kind of jail. Mm. Um and try to break out of it. And it turns out like they just want him in jail, but it's not really the government. And there's this whole weird plot in the jail where there's some kind of, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is supposed to work for this guy. And they're trying to find out where this guy is. And they never say who this guy is or why they want him. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the world's governments just want to bring this guy to justice And then it ends up where, you know, Stallone to get out has to rely on Roger Schwarzenegger to help him to break out. And then part of that is him helping Schwarzenegger get out. Well, the problem is Stallone, you know, they make a big deal. Why do you want to spend your whole life in jail? And he wants to do it because somebody broke out of jail and then murdered his wife and child. And here he is in this jail with presumably some of the worst people on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, yeah, I'll help you break out even though that's the whole reason that I, I do what I do. And you're probably a terrorist or something. I guess it's cool. (laughs) That's true. And that's like, that's the one thing that really bothered me about the movie besides anything else is like, we need to know, like, am I rooting for Schwarzenegger? Is this like, are all of these people supposed to be like Stallone where they're just imprisoned because they're a pain in the ass to their local governments kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like what's going on with this guy and why do I want Stallone to be free? He's probably a really bad person. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I, I, uh, or not still Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Schwarzenegger. I had a uh, one memory of the prison letting, uh, a, uh, forgive my, um, lack of knowledge, but like a Muslim or a Sikh do their prayers out in the open, right? Uh, just mm-hmm. and Stallone does that so that the guy could orientate where they are in in the world based on the stars or something. Because spoiler alert: the uh, the jail is on a boat, <laughs> yes. which is ludicrous. Yeah, <laughs> even more expensive. When you see how g- gigantic this jail is, he climbs up like fifty stories mm-hmm. and a ladder at one point, and you're just like, "That's not a boat! <laughs> Come on!" Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, why they wouldn't just let this guy out and do this? This is a mess. They don't care about these people. Like you said, they should have just killed them all. <laughs> yeah. Problem solved. They're dead. So a quick side note. There is an escape plan two and three. Escape plan two, Stallone famously uh, disowned, said it's the worst movie ever made. 
And that's coming from the guy who made Detox. <laughs> yeah. And Escape Plan 3, The Extractors. Uh, I remember him on Instagram or something posting a, a video of a fight scene that he had with somebody that they just, he was touting it as like, this is a real fight scene. We, we did it in one take and we really hit each other and we just, you know, we're really in there doing it. And it's just him and some like skinny guy, uh, like tussling a little bit inside this jail cell. And then, you know, the skinny guy gets like really tired and starts breathing a lot. And then like, it's like such a dumb fight scene. It's really dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't watch the movie, but I watched that clip. The second one has, um, Drax from Batista. Yeah. Yeah. Batista. Yeah. So does the third one. I guess he's a regular now. Oh, he made it. And uh, the third one. You and know you've made also... it when you're in escape plan sequels. Yes. And so did, so is 50 Cent. He's in both. <laughs> oh, and the, the, yeah, there was it was a weird cat. I, I like all of the people in this cast, but it was weird. Yeah. 50 Cent. You had yeah. uh, Holly from The Office. Was, oh, really? I still don't know. If, yeah. I still don't know if she was supposed to be a love interest. Mm hmm. Stallone or not? Well, uh, all right. So, how did you enjoy? You enjoyed watching it more than Detox, at least. I it, it is a movie that it sounds really bad the more I talk about it, but it is so much more than the sum of its parts. It was just enjoyable. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, good. I'm glad. You know, there's not many movies where you get to watch someone make their own sextant, so. <laughs> that's true <laughs> we need to make that letterbox list <laughs> <laughs> so i also watched something that was enjoyable i decided that i don't i didn't think i got to see the full range of director jim gillespie after watching detox i think his vision was cut short so i wanted to give him another try and watch something that uh he had made around the same time in 1997 called I Know What You Did Last Summer, which I'd never oh. seen. And I almost randomly watched that as well, but not even for the podcast, just because I wanted to watch oh. a horror movie. Well, it's, it's a it's a good horror movie. I enjoyed it. It's like a late era slasher that knows all the tropes, clearly inspired by Scream a few years earlier. In fact, same screenwriter. <laughs> um, and the concept is, you know, is is good bunch of teenagers all played by like late nineties TV heartthrobs, you know, Jennifer Love Hewitt, mm-hmm. Sarah Michelle Geller, Ryan, Ryan Felipe, Freddie Prince Jr. It's even gotten an Anne Heche in a role. Uh, so a stacked cast of the time and they accidentally kill somebody during a drunken road trip. And instead of uh, coming clean, they dump the body in the river, even though they turns out the guy was still alive. Cut to a year later, they start getting tormented by someone who says that they, I know what you did last summer. It's super clean concept. You know, there's like perfect. There's nothing wrong with that. And it works really well. And Jim Gillespie actually, I don't know if he's comping off of Wes Craven for Scream. Because if I watched Scream 1 and 2 recently and Wes Craven really moves the camera so well. Like the camera swirls around through the the tense action scenes and it's always moving. It's always doing like these cool crane shots and it's just really fun to watch. 
and this movie does the same thing. So it's very slick, has great camera moves. Uh, I mean, Gillespie has a good eye for um, the the kills and the tense scenes. They're all filmed really well. And the twist, or the not the twist, but like the 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 whole uh, ending where you figure out what's really going on is a solid ending. Like, there's nothing super dumb about it. <laughs> I mean, well, wh- maybe the action scenes are a little dumb at the end, but uh, the screenplay was actually pretty smart with how how it all came together. It's based on a book, so I oh. haven't uh, I haven't read the book yet. Or watch the movie, but it, it was definitely on my list of things like I can't believe I haven't seen because I saw all of those movies that were Scream is such a weird. It's a great movie. I love Scream. It's one of my favorites, but it's it's interesting because it's kind of like a criticism or almost a satirization of those 80s yes. slasher movies, but it works as a straight horror movie as well. And it definitely inspired this whole kind of like teen slasher renaissance that happened in the late nineties or early to mid two thousands where a lot of those kinds of movies came out. And I think I saw all of the rest of them, Um, but I didn't see, I know what you did last summer. So Kevin Williamson was a screenwriter and his credits are really interesting. He's got scream one, two and three. I know what you did last summer. And he also did the faculty and teaching Mrs. Tingle. So those are all those late nineties horror movies, early two thousands or whatever. And uh, yeah, he definitely had a feel for um, just making, I guess, solid stories. So yeah, the faculty is a movie that I never want to see again because I remember really liking it, but then I think about it and I'm like, I bet that was really bad. (laughs) As uh, you know what? I don't know if, uh, so I, I, I know that I know what you did last summer got was super popular when it came out. And I think it became sort of like a joke in the pet, like 10 years ago, but I think it's, it's, it's kind of earning back its reputation and people are watching it now and being, Oh yeah, that was, that was really good. <laughs> it was, it's a solid movie. And I think people thought it was kind of dumb maybe because of the cast and the time period it was made, but yeah, so maybe the faculty will be the same. Maybe. I mean, there were a lot of people in the faculty. Uh, Josh Hartnett, whatever happened to that guy? Josh Hartnett, uh, John Stewart was a teacher. I think Famke Jansen was the attractive female teacher. Uh, was Seth Green in that as well? Nope, no Seth Green. You got Elijah Wood, though. Oh, that's probably what I'm thinking of. I knew there was, I knew there was a tiny man in there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's not one, it's the other. <laughs> no offense, I love you, Elijah Wood, but you know, he's a little a little slight. Yes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, if you're if you're up for a solid horror movie, I do recommend it this month. Check it out. I know what you did last summer. I'm definitely gonna Oh, you know what? I think I may have just remembered the thing that I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. It was the new I loved. So I'm a librarian now. When I was a kid, I hated reading until I discovered Christopher Pike, which led to Stephen King. But then I also only recently discovered R.L. Stein, and I watched the first Fear Street movie um, sometime in the last two weeks. And I have to say that it really nailed 
that kind of, I don't know, nostalgia core that's going around with the Stranger Things and everything happening in the 80s and the teen slashers. Maybe this is like a third iteration of the teen slasher kind of genre, but it definitely pays homage to all of those kinds of, you know, 80s and later, like late 90s and early 2000s teen slashers. I really enjoyed the first part. There are three parts, which is definitely weird um, because they go back in time. Which which so one's this the first one, one? The first one takes place in 1996, uh, I want to say. Yeah, 90, uh, 94. 94. Yep. The second one, I think, is 78. And then the third one is like 16 something. 1666. Of course. <laughs> so I'm excited um, to watch more of those. Okay, that's good to hear, because I saw the director's first movie, Lee Janiak, and she made Honeymoon, which is a really dumb horror movie starring Rose Leslie from Game of Thrones about a newlywed couple on their honeymoon, and then weird stuff starts happening at the cabin, and I was not a fan. So, <laughs> But yeah, maybe I'll give this one a shot. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't bother to take notes, so I don't because I couldn't remember until about five minutes ago what it was that I wanted to talk about. So this is completely off the cuff, but I just, yeah, I remember really liking it. I, I thought it was a fine entry into that style of slasher movie. Good. All right. We'll end, we'll end on a high note. (laughs) Fear street, 1994. So next episode, typically right now we'd be rolling a die to see what movie we watched, but because I'm at a film festival next week, we were talking about uh, you watching something inspired by one of the movies at the film festival. Maybe I could even watch some of the movies at the film festival. Let me know what they are. Yeah, I will send you uh, the, if you follow my Letterboxd, Long Monkey on Letterboxd, all one word, you can see what I watch live. <laughs> I will not follow your Long Monkey anywhere. <laughs> i try to dangle my long monkey in front of you and you never take it <laughs> i will uh keep you posted as to what i watch but the fantastic fest at home uh has announced what they are showing they're showing a good amount of movies that look interesting including a title a great title all jacked up and full of worms <laughs> which sounds <laughs> sounds great they're showing Birdemic 3, as we talked about. I think I'm uh, going to well, make my dying wish to have someone just des- like have someone describe me with that sentence. All jacked up. We'll put it on your tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I was the director of that movie, that's a great tombstone to have. <laughs> it's like Jack Lemon's tombstone. Do you ever see that one? No. It just says Jack Lemon in. And that's it. <laughs> As in, yeah. in, in the ground. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, there's a lot of movies. You should check it out. Fantastic Fest at home. Everyone should follow along and maybe get yourself a ticket and join. Looks like a lot of fun. I've always wanted to go to Fantastic Fest in person. Someday I'll get there. It's in Austin and it's a little bit of a trip, but it looks like loads of fun. This year, though, I'll spend five days just watching an unhealthy amount of movies. Sounds great. All right, so the next episode, we'll talk about some of those and see what you have chosen to watch. In the meantime, you could, again, follow along, follow my long monkey, Letterboxd, 
And also check out my other projects at proleary.com. Eric. It was bad enough when you dangled your long monkey in front of me, but now you're doing it in front of the entire world, and I don't like it. <laughs> Is there anything you would like to dangle in front of the world? No, I've seen how that works out for you, and I think I'll I'll just keep myself nice and cozy at home. All right. Well, thank you, Eric, for joining. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a good night and sweet dreams.